Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Hey, Ken, did you know that gold is the only currency that's held its value since the dawn of money? Well, I did. Thanks to our friends at Legacy Precious Metals, the most trusted name in gold investing. Investing in gold protects you against inflation and gives you a hedge against stock market volatility. Don't leave your retirement to chance. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or download your free investor's guide now at buylegacygold.com. That's buylegacygold.com. This week at Safeway, enjoy big savings with the BOGO sale, where select items throughout the store are buy one, get one free. With this week's BOGO sale, get select meats like Signature Farms 90% lean ground beef or boneless, skinless chicken breasts or thighs, buy one, get one free. Plus, select fresh produce items like one-pound containers of sweet strawberries or containers of blueberries or buy one, get one free. Safeway, come in and explore and see what other deals you can find. I'm Mo Kelly in for John and Ken, and I guess we got to talk about the Supreme Court. We have to talk about the SCOTUS. Is there anything else to discuss, or is everything that we're going to discuss somehow connected to the Supreme Court of these United States? We've all got these varied and strong opinions about the SCOTUS, but I wonder if our opinions collectively, I mean, yours and mine collectively, whether our opinions either matter or are a function of actual constitutional knowledge. I wonder, I look at social media as you do, and I think, hmm, that's not right, or hmm, I wonder where they got that idea from. And so it always inspires me to go back and go to the source, find out where everything began, how it began, how it's supposed to work, how it is working now relative to how it was conceived and constructed. So I went back to the Constitution itself. Article 3, Section 1 of the Constitution states that the judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court and in such inferior courts as the Congress may from time to time ordain and establish, close quote. 
meaning although the Constitution establishes that there is a, as in singular, Supreme Court, Congress gets to decide how it's set up. Congress decides who gets confirmed to serve on it, how many members, etc. That's up to Congress. Put it another way, the Supreme Court, or at least this is just my analogy, the Supreme Court is like an Ikea bed. You got to put it together yourself. To that end, the Judiciary Act of 1789 was passed by Congress and signed by President George Washington, establishing the Supreme Court of the United States as a tribunal made up of six justices who were to serve on the court until death or retirement. Note, I said six. Today, there are nine, but I'll come back to that. And it wasn't even until 1803, some 14 years later, that the Supreme Court case, Marbury versus Madison, established the principle of judicial review. If you're a constitutional scholar, you know this already. I'm not talking to you. I'm just talking to everyone else. I'm talking to myself. I'm not a constitutional scholar, so just let me have this moment. But it established the principle of judicial review, which is the power of the federal courts to declare legislative and executive acts unconstitutional. There's that word, unconstitutional. The Supreme Court was given the power of judicial review. Not you, not me, not Tawala who's, who's producing tonight, not Dan the bartender, not Jeffrey Tubin on CNN, not Alan Dershowitz if you should be on Fox News. Nobody. Justice Scotus. But think about that. A Supreme Court case gave the Supreme Court, in other words, gave itself the power of judicial review, the power to decide what is constitutional, what is unconstitutional. Congress created the Supreme Court as we know it today, not the Constitution. Now, let me get back to that original point. It originally had six members, not the present day nine. What does that tell you? What does that tell me? Hmm, it's been expanded before. And talk about court packing. It's been packed and unpacked before and since over the decades. But let me go back to what I was saying at the very top. We all have these opinions about the SCOTUS, but they're mostly wrong. I mean, I always say not all opinions are created equal. Some are more informed, some are less informed, some are misinformed, some are altogether uninformed. Opinions aren't created equal. People have all sorts of opinions about what is or is not constitutional, and here's the real point, none of them matter. Not even my opinions on what is constitutional. So going around and yelling and demonstrating or protesting about something being unconstitutional just means you don't know what it means. Every federal law passed is, by definition, constitutional until, up until, the moment the Supreme Court says it isn't. Did you get that? Not your opinion of what something is unconstitutional. It is constitutional by definition until it is ruled unconstitutional. And it seems like today people think of the Supreme Court and its decisions as only reflections of their personal politics. You know, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. A decision will be handed down and you say the Supreme Court got it right. Why? Because it agrees with you. Or you agree with it, or it reflects your worldview or your political view. 
Not that there is some precedent, case precedent underlining your reasoning. Not that you can see how they have uh, uh, used a case law in the reflection of that opinion, that majority opinion. You just happen to agree with it. But at best, the Supreme Court is supposed to only rule on constitutionality. Not whether a law is good or bad or reflects conservative politics or liberal politics or could lead to bad unintended consequences. That's the main thing. Laws can be both constitutional and bad for America. Both constitutional and bad for America. They're not mutually exclusive. It can be both. I mean, for example, people have been saying this week, criminalizing abortion would be bad for America. You know what that would do for women. They would be putting themselves in jeopardy. Women are going to die, which may or may not be true. Or they'll say limiting the EPA would be bad for climate change. Maybe. Maybe. And that's why they're dissenting opinions to highlight those thoughts when a decision comes down. But but ultimately, and here's the main point before I go to break, ultimately the job, the responsibility of the Supreme Court is to determine the constitutionality of a law with a specific court case that it is being adjudicated around. There has to be a, a specific court uh, case before the court, and then the judgment is rendered. Now, like overturning the Remain in Mexico asylum law, which we'll get into, some people have said that will explode illegal immigration at the border. Maybe, maybe, but that has nothing to do with whether the president has the authority to overturn such a measure. That was before the Supreme Court, whether the president had the authority, could make the decision, not whether you would like the decision, not whether you agree with the decision, not whether it may negatively impact our immigration or illegal immigration at the southern border. But my point is, we often view constitutionality through the lens of what we like, and that's just not how it works. And because we do that, that's why we get so worked up. We're going to talk about the SCOTUS and so much more. We're going to talk about the laws here in California, which are going to take effect tomorrow. This is the John and Ken Show. I'm Mo Kelly in for John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And I want to continue this discussion about the SCOTUS. It's... If you haven't been paying attention, this arguably, arguably was the most consequential week regarding SCOTUS decisions in your lifetime. In my lifetime, definitely, unless you're maybe 75, 80 years old and you can remember back to Brown versus Board of Education. This particular week, these decisions all handed down. This SCOTUS body, they didn't really punt on anything. They didn't kick the can down the road with these very narrow rulings. They put their whole foot in the ass of the Constitution, you could say, or at least that's how I would term it. I'm saying big rulings, huge repercussions, game-changing decisions, and a lot of the country are very happy. Why? Going back to what I said last segment, because it reflects your personal politics. Not your knowledge of the Constitution, two different things. It reflects what you like and believe this country should be. That's very different from a detailed analysis of the Constitution, case precedent, case law, and also the particular case before the court 
and what it is ruling on and coming to the determination that something is constitutional or unconstitutional and then agreeing or disagreeing with the decision. It's two very different things. But our debate now, I think, is more a function of our social media. We only have 180 characters, I think, on Twitter, and I think our debates are largely reminiscent or emblematic of our short attention spans and our desire to hurry up and get to the end. A Supreme Court decision is usually very nuanced in nature, or at least a discussion of it. And you have to be willing to go to the depths of not only the, the opinion, but the preceding case, um, uh, the case law, which undergirds the foundation of the decision. And let's not dismiss the obvious. If we had nine different justices on that Supreme Court, actually, if we only had three or four different justices, either way, we may get a very different decision. Why? Because the Constitution is subject to the interpretation of the sitting justices, meaning the retired or dead justices, if they were still around, they may have had very different interpretations. I'm quite sure you give us the, the nine justices who adjudicated Roe v. Wade back in 1973. They probably would stand in opposition to the most recent decision. The Constitution isn't absolute. The Constitution isn't perfect. Why? Because it was created by imperfect people and it's being interpreted by imperfect people. And there's another dimension to this. As much as we want to deny it, as much we want to argue that it isn't true, the Supreme Court is fundamentally a political institution. Why? As I've already said, it is birthed in truth by Congress. The Senate gets to decide who is going to be confirmed. The Congress gets to decide how many people are going to be on the Supreme Court. So fundamentally, by definition, it is going to be a political body. There are political considerations. Now, more recently, we can go back to 2016 in the presidential debates where you had Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton. And Donald Trump, the private citizen, said explicitly during the presidential debate, talking about abortion, that he was going to nominate, if he was elected, he was going to nominate not one, not two, but he said possibly three anti-abortion pro-life justices to the Supreme Court. He's telling you, or he told us back in 2016 explicitly that was his design and that was his goal. What does that mean? Two things. One, he's going to appeal to a certain base, in other words, to get their vote. It was a popular line of rhetoric and it's a popular stance which would buoy him in his election chances. So it's political in that nature and it's also overtly political in the sense of who would be considered for the Supreme Court and how ultimately either he he hopes they would rule or the people who would vote for him would rule. So understand that anything which happens on the Supreme Court or a decision or judgment rendered by the Supreme Court, it is inherently political. In other words, there are political considerations which are made. It does not mean that the court cannot rise above politics, but just know that it was birthed in politics. And although we are more partisan now than maybe we were ever before, you can make some argument for back in the late 1700s, there was a high degree of partisanship. I think that partisanship is different now because of the influence of parties, the influence of money, Citizens United, oh my goodness, another Supreme Court decision, and how money has irrevocably influenced how our politics 
politics may work. If we took out money, we took out partisanship, our country would look very differently. But that is utopia. That's not reality. Let's talk about this reality. The Supreme Court is a political body. Why? Because we have politicians who nominate these members who will serve for life. And they are specifically taken from short lists of either beliefs or ethnic groups or voting blocks, which would be best appreciated by present voters or future voters. That's just a reality. It does not mean that the people are not qualified as jurists. It does mean that these jurists have a particular point of view, which is either advantageous or preferable or appreciated by the voters. Going back to Donald Trump, he said, hey, I'm going to nominate as, as many as three Supreme Court justices if I'm elected and they're all going to be anti-abortion. And you know what? He did exactly that. That is not how our Supreme Court originally was intended to work. Please vote for me. I'm going to vote. For, I'm going to nominate Supreme Court justices who think like you and me. That's not how it was supposed to work in absentia of, of an actual case that they're going to rule on. It wasn't meant to work that way, but that's how it does work today. And so when we get a decision regarding abortion, as we did some six days ago, you shouldn't be surprised. I shouldn't be surprised, or at least I'm not surprised. I know fundamentally that it was going to be an expression of the personal views to some degree, regardless of what they might have said during their confirmation hearings. I wasn't fooled by that. I hope you weren't, because we knew that the only way that Donald Trump was going to nominate those individuals is if they held, at least personally, those particular views on certain issues regarding gun rights, regarding abortion, regarding immigration, and so forth and so on. So we know for them to even get in the chair in terms of confirmation, they had to espouse a certain worldview. There's no jurist who is completely neutral. They have personal views in politics, which obviously may bleed into these issues. But here's the fundamental point. We can get upset. We can get mad. We can say that the, the SCOTUS is not supposed to be political. It's not supposed to be. And yes, maybe on its best day, it isn't. Maybe it wasn't intended to be. But it is because we should not put our heads in the sand and think that we can have presidential candidates who run specifically on the types of justices they plan to nominate and think that after they nominate them and after they get them confirmed that they're not going to do or act in a certain way, which is more representative of their worldview, which we already knew prior to them being nominated and confirmed. So the SCOTUS decisions that we have now is a direct result of the politicians that we prefer and the people that we elect. That's how it works. This is the John and Ken Show. I'm Mo Kelly in for John and Ken. KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Mo Kelly in for John and Ken. Just in case you're not familiar with me, I host the Mo Kelly Show here on KFI, Saturdays and Sundays from 6 to 8 p.m. And we talk about a variety of things, from politics to popular culture, entertainment, everything in between. But ultimately, I love to look at what's not being discussed or enter into discussions from a very different vantage point. And if you don't know me, I don't endorse candidates. I don't tell you who to vote for. I don't tell you what to vote for. You do you. I do me. 
But I also believe that we can do better as far as understanding how and why things happen. We may not agree with who may make the call, who makes the decision or the ultimate decision, but I think we can do better at understanding how decisions are made or how our country works. It's not just civics. It's just understanding history and how it all works together. In the first two segments, I was talking about the formation of the Supreme Court and judicial review and what is constitutional, unconstitutional, who gets to decide and what that means and the irrelevance of your opinion and my opinion when it comes to constitutionality. And the SCOTUS is an inherently political body because it's chosen, it's been created, it's been formulated by inherently political figures with political agendas. Whether we agree with them or, or don't, they are still political in nature. So with all that as a lead-in, there's something else, regardless of what we think about the most, uh, most recent decisions by this SCOTUS, there are some future decisions which will have untold ramifications, some would even say consequences, for how elections may go in the future. If you know anything about gerrymandering, gerrymandering very simply is put like this. Uh, you have state legislatures which have the power to draw up maps as far as who can be an assembly person or a, a congressperson over a certain area. And over the years and decades, and this happens in both parties, they would try to draw these maps to make sure that there are only certain swaths of people would vote. And so it, it'll be a high Republican area or a high African-American area or a high white area. And so you would have the same politicians of a certain party always winning because they would not have the type of voting base or a disparate voting base where you'd have the, the equal likelihood of candidates from both parties or either party being able to win. That's gerrymandering. And over the decades and coming out of the Voting Rights Act, there has always been this fight against gerrymandering or other policies which may tip the balance to one party or another when it comes to voting. The Supreme Court has agreed to hear a redistricting case that could have major implications for voting rights. And not just a particular segment of society could have particular uh, implications for you here in California and beyond. Let me tell you about it. It is uh, having to do with North Carolina, but when it comes to the Supreme Court, the, the ramifications affect every single state because if you've been paying attention, and I know you have, but I'm saying I want to reiterate, if you've been paying attention, you know that whatever the SCOTUS does, states then line up to either refer, reaffirm or fight against those decisions. So since the court has taken up this redistricting case, there will be implications for you and me. Today, the Supreme Court agreed to hear a dispute over redistricting in North Carolina. At the center of this case is the fate of a legal doctrine that allows state courts to check the behavior of state legislatures. Going back to what I was saying, the state legislatures can draw up these maps. The decision to undermine the courts, take away that power from checking state legislatures, could empower state lawmakers in disputes over these redistricting maps and potentially offer them more freedom to intervene in federal elections. In other words, if you allow the state legislatures to do whatever the hell they want and draw up the maps however they want, because the Voting Rights Act has been gutted for the most part, then you then open the door for these same questionable actors, regardless of party, regardless of state, to start gerrymandering without any type of check 
by the state courts. You could have Democrats in California drawing up these maps where it would make it almost virtually impossible for Republicans to win. You could have Republicans in Alabama or North Carolina in this case drawing up maps which would make it impossible for Democrats to win on a state level, on a local level, and even a federal congressional level. Now, that's the theory, that's the concern as far as why you would not want to limit the power of the state courts. You want to talk about the Constitution, states' rights. You don't want to limit the state courts, do you? If you limit the state courts, that's the argument against it. Now, the, this particular dispute began after North Carolina gained a seat in the House of Representatives and the North Carolina General Assembly twice, not once, but twice, adopted new congressional districting maps. On both occasions, the state Supreme Court rejected the maps due to you know concerns about gerrymandering and finally ordered that the 2022 election go forward with maps drawn by judges. The court held that the General Assembly's maps amounted to partisan gerrymandering and violated provisions of the state constitution. And here's the thing. When we talk about states' rights and at the same time going to go to the Supreme Court to take the right of the state courts to take away the power to keep the state legislatures in check as far as their partisan ends you should be able to see what a trick bag that would be, what a slippery slope that would be. If you say state courts, you can't intervene with what the state legislatures are doing, which we know overtly is partisan in nature. If you allow kids in the candy store to have as much candy as they want, what are they going to do? They're going to steal all the candy and do what they want because politicians, and I say this without preference to party or ideology, politicians are some of the most selfish and I would say criminal people that you'll ever meet, bar none. And if you give them the option to tip the balance in their favor, I don't care if it's California, I don't care if it's Alabama, I don't care if it's Texas or any other state, they are going to do that. And if you ever want to know whether uh, something is going to impact voting rights, just know who it benefits and who it may not benefit. Then you can always tell because people are always, I should say, politicians are always that for that which will help him, her or their party. Always. It's never neutral. It's never neutral in the sense of, no, this is just a fair way to go about it. This is the constitutional way to go about it. This is what we need to do as Americans. It is never about that. It's about what gives me, my party, the better opportunity to win the next election. So when you want to talk about what is constitutional or unconstitutional, watch what the, the SCOTUS does, which is an inherently political body for the reasons I've already discussed. Watch what they do specifically regarding this North Carolina redistricting case, because how it is ruled will inevitably impact how Democrats act right here in California, and it will be used to the detriment of Republicans. That's why you should care, because what happens there inevitably comes here. This is the John and Ken Show. Mo Kelly in for John and Ken. KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. I'll be with you tomorrow and even Monday for the 4th of July. We'll be broadcasting from Chateau Le Mo, the home studio. Maybe uh, fry some burgers, hot dogs, 
have some fun. Eric, you are you working? No, you're not working that day. You have that no, day off. No, I'm off. See, how is it that you work in radio and you manage to get an actual holiday? How does that even happen? I ask for it off in advance. Well, ain't that about it? If that if it were that easy, my ass would not be here right now. I I don't know what to tell you, Mo. Deborah Mark, did you know it was that easy? Uh, it isn't always easy. <laughs> no, trust let me, me tell you, I am Listen, actually not easy. working Monday either. It's a miracle, but uh, it's not easy to get these holidays off when you work in radio. I, I make it know. sound easy, but it is not. I don't I don't know what the word holiday is. In every single year, someone asks, "So how was your weekend?" I work on the freaking weekends. So what did you do for the holiday? You're really going to ask me that question. I know. How long have you known me? How long have you known me? <laughs> but anyhow, yes, I'll be with you tomorrow and also Monday. Sitting in for John and Ken, great appreciation to them, allowing me to keep their seats collectively warm. One more thing I want to say about the uh, Supreme Court before we get out of here. I wanted to put all this together so you were ready to go out there and have all your arguments and disagreements on social media armed and ready to go with, you know, your opinions that don't really matter, just like mine. I'm not trying to be special. My opinions don't matter either. Just want to give you some context. The Supreme Court did rule today for the major coal-producing states and sharply limited the Biden administration's authority to restrict carbon pollution, which is um, at least what the administration is saying is so central to fighting global warming. The justices agreed, the majority of justices agreed with lawyers from West Virginia and said Congress did not give environmental regulators broad authority to reshape the system for producing electric power by switching from coal to natural gas, wind turbines and solar energy, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. And there are those who say, I'm just glad whenever the, the SCOTUS rules in opposition to Joe Biden, that's fine. That's your business. Okay, and some people will say, oh, my gosh, this is going to be so horrible for global uh, global warming and climate change. That's fine. That's your business. You're allowed to have that opinion. But going back to what I was saying at the very beginning, this is exactly what I mean. They're ruling on the constitutionality of the EPA and whether it had the authority, the authority to make certain limitations or guidelines for the states relative to certain power sources being used. It's not an endorsement of coal, okay? Because honestly, and remember what I was saying in the first segment, I said something can be constitutional and bad for us. For example, we're not going to be using more coal in the future. I, I love my friends in West Virginia. Some of my best friends are from West Virginia. Wayne. Resnick's from West Virginia, okay? I understand that states like West Virginia, they are coal mining dependent and communities. But once upon a time, we were dependent upon steam, all right? And, and technology moves on. And you know I'm right because you're listening right now on the iHeartRadio app or you're in your car <laughs> or you're on your iPhone you understand this. And so our country is moving in a certain direction, which is moving away from coal. And even though constitutionally, the EPA may have no business telling the certain industries or states what to do, can we at least agree on the fact that, you know, coal's not coming back? Honestly, the steam engine is not coming back. I'm, I'm being, you know, flippant, but you understand the point I'm making. 
do not overstate what the SCOTUS decision was conveying because you wanted to make it part of your personal politics because it's about us versus them, zero-sum game, I win, they lose. No, no, no. The, the ruling is more narrow in this respect and, and basically saying, hey, the federal government can only do so much. But we can also say on the other side, yeah, but let's be honest. Coal has a limited shelf life in the future of America. Can, can we be honest? Can we honestly say that coal is not going to be powering your stoves in the future like it did 100 years ago? Can we be honest that West Virginia at some point is going to have to get away from mining? It may not be today. It may not be next year. It may not even be in the next decade. And I understand there are politicians like Joe Manchin who are dependent upon making sure his constituents are not out of jobs in the short term for as long as he wants to be senator of West Virginia. I get all that. I get the politics of it. I just want to make sure that you understand that just because the SCOTUS rules a certain way, it is not an endorsement of everything you believe. And you give me nine different people on that SCOTUS, we get a different decision. As sure as I'm sitting here, we would. But this is a great, a perfect, I would say a textbook example of being able to better parse what the Supreme Court is telling us. And maybe you're a person who, who says we need to have limited government and, and the federal government should stay out of the state's businesses. OK, that's fine. And in fact, I agree with you on that level. But can we also agree? Can we please just get the easy ones right? Can we agree that just because the, the, the SCOTUS ruled against the EPA, that you and I should be in agreement that coal is not going to be the way to go in the future. And even though the EPA may not be able to tell states or specific businesses they have to uh, regulate how much coal they use, that they're going to have to get off their ass at certain certain point and do something different. They're going to have to choose something different. They're going to have to use a different technology. It may not be solar. It may not be wind. It might be the flux capacitor. I don't know. It could be Tony Stark and his, what did they call it? The uh, arc reactor. The arc reactor, right. It could be that. I don't know what the future technology is going to be. I'm not saying that this is an, I'm, I'm for the Green New Deal. I'm not talking about the politics of it. I'm talking about the practicality of it all. And that's something that's very different in nature. Coal is not the future. It's just not. It is a thing of the past. What we should take from this ruling is, regardless of the type of of power, regardless of the type of industry, the EPA will not be able to tell the, these industries or states the type of materials they can use or should use, or there's a limit to what they can do. Isn't that what the EPA is supposed to do, though? Isn't that like as a regulatory body, don't they tell what you're supposed to do? Yes and no. Certain yes and no. They're supposed to, to set federal guidelines, but the Supreme Court is ruling now that they overstepped that authority as far as how far or what degree or they were not em empowered uh, to, I guess, this degree of specificity as far as capping carbon dioxide emissions or, or something like that. Now, again, again, people are going to disagree with the decision itself. What, what are you laughing about, Tuala? That's just funny. <laughs> you tell them you have individuals who are on the Supreme Court who have no idea what the EPA actually does, the science behind their decisions, then coming in based on what is it, the influence of the coal industry to say they've overstepped? 
I look. Who are they to argue? You, you, had, okay. you, right. you, you had stepped out. I All talked right. about. You know, we want a SCOTUS which is not necessarily political, but it's inherently political. And you have a SCOTUS which ruled on Citizens United, which says all money in politics is good money because, you know, corporations are people. And then we want to get surprised when we have a corporation kind of dictating our public policy, which is, in fact, which is happening here. Yes, the SCOTUS is a result of what we've deemed as important. We think that, you know, corporations are people, so corporations have a say in how our government is run. And so the corporations get to decide basically the authority of the EPA, if you see that to its logical conclusion. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that is church and state is next. Well, hey, some people are okay with that. But those are the people who haven't read the Constitution. This is the John and Ken Show. I'm Mo Kelly in for John and Ken, KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, Ken, did you know that gold is the only currency that's held its value since the dawn of money? Well, I did. Thanks to our friends at Legacy Precious Metals, the most trusted name in gold investing. Investing in gold protects you against inflation and gives you a hedge against stock market volatility. Don't leave your retirement to chance. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or download your free investor's guide now at buylegacygold.com. That's buylegacygold.com. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love at first listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again and getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before and we're bringing you along with us with new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people... It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 